Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. Uh, this is uh, an episode in early January, so there's some things going on in terms of uh, in terms of coaching changes, some free agency talk. We're in the middle of the swing of the NFL playoffs and uh, some really, really compelling games uh, in the first week of the wildcard matchups uh, going into now the divisional round of the the playoffs. So a lot of interesting things happening. I think really from a a big picture perspective, it's it's really the coaching. Um, There's news on some declarations um, and uh, we'll look a little bit at free agency. So uh, for wide receivers and tight ends. So we'll start with the some of the coaching changes that I think are pretty interesting. Uh, Mike McCarthy is going to get another shot, going to go down to Dallas after uh, uh, a, an ugly, kind of an ugly divorce with Green Bay. Uh, it didn't really go down all that glamorously. Uh, there was some f- food fights on the way out uh, with some articles and stuff after, after he left there. Um, but is going to get a new crack. I'm really interested in this because I think Dallas is uh, it's pretty. They're pretty good, and they had over 100, scored 100 more points than or more than 100 more points than their opponents last year, uh, but finished with the middling record. And so that's that's an indication of basically some bad variants and some other things that went on. But that's, I mean, they can they can really. Uh, turn it around, finished eight and eight, but outscored their opponents by, um, 113 points. So, um, that's a, that's a, um, the, it's a, a sign of some bad luck and some bad variants. So, um, you know, you just look at Philadelphia, for example, scored 31 more points, you know, that, um, Green Bay who earned a, earned a buy 63 more points. Um, you know, the only, two teams better in point differential than the Cowboys in the NFC this year, the Saints and the 49ers. So the fact they miss out on the playoffs is pretty, it's pretty unlucky uh, to some, to some degree and just some, just some odd variants that happened. Um, So, you know, that's, that's a team that has some talent. It's interesting in terms of McCarthy. I mean, I think the, the, people remember the the sort of downswing of his career and um and how it ended in green bay and they sort of stagnated and those sorts of things but there's been a lot reported and peter king did some reports uh you know, talked with him and some of the analytics stuff that he's doing it's, it's pretty interesting in terms of the approach he's taken went and studied at pff and had basically his own war room in his house learning new stuff learning college offenses learning um you know different different ideas in terms of stuff to incorporate if he ever got another shot. So um, he's going to get that shot in Dallas and and comes with a lot of head coaching experience and some stability. So I just look at the, the from 2008 uh, through 2014, just that stretch of, of time before things started to go sideways and some Aaron Rodgers injuries and you know the the they sort of went downhill after that but uh, just in terms of scoring offense fifth third tenth first fifth eighth tenth so uh, top 10 offenses in all seven of those years um, top five offenses in five of those seven years so uh, with the 10 and the eight 
in there as well. So, I mean, this is a, it's a, it's a, a, a good pedigree of offense, uh, although it's, it's some, um, uh, it wasn't necessarily recently. So I think it's a good hire. What I'm really interested in too, is the, is the offensive coordinator. I mean, McCarthy has said that he's going to call plays. I'm interested in if Kellen Moore is going to be back. He's a, I think a analytic savvy coach, uh, leads the, you know, leads the Dallas Cowboys as an offensive coordinator and play caller last year. And they produce, uh, the, one of the best offenses in the NFL. And I think if you, you know, if you ask, if you ask, people wouldn't necessarily put them up there, but led the league in, and yards, uh, and led the league in yards per play. So, um, you know, a, a really good, a really good season from them. Um, Dak was, was terrific. Um, and, uh, you know, it's finished as quarterback two by my numbers. I mean, they had a really, really good offense. Uh, and that's probably a little bit overlooked, I think, because they didn't make the playoffs. So uh, we'll sort of see it. Kellen Moore is the moving piece that I'm looking for on this. Uh, both Dak and Amari Cooper are fr- going to be free agents. Uh, it's, they only got one tag to use. So uh, I think they got to try and get Dak under contract. I think getting Dak under contract is probably going to be easier than getting Amari Cooper under contract, although – I'm not sure, you know, where they're at in the progress and, and all of those things, but um, they got to get someone so they can use the tag on the other if they need it. But I, I'm watching the Dak and Amari Cooper situations really closely. I think if push comes to shove, they have to tag Dak, um, but they risk the they run the risk of losing Amari Cooper that way. Um, Dak deserves to be paid for fantasy perspective as a as a really really high end option. Um, moving on to. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, they signed Matt Rule, uh, the Baylor head coach, to a, a seven-year deal. It could be worth up to $70 million with all the incentives. I mean, that's that's big-time money. They lure him away from Baylor where he remade just a, a program that was uh, just in shambles after the uh, sexual assault allegations and the Art Brile era uh, that just sort of left them uh, reeling he comes in and rebuilds the team uh, you know he, he's been a head coach at two different stops temple and baylor first year at temple he goes uh two and ten then goes six and six and then wins 10 games in back-to-back seasons comes into baylor uh, wins one game his first year in 2017 then goes seven and six um, and then goes up to 11 and three so a, a consistent track record albeit at college of rebuilding a program and really building it and 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 rising the tide of an entire program so uh, he's been a a rumored uh, progressive uh, analytic savvy coach Uh, he's been uh, interviewed last year uh, interviewed in a couple of places last year but ultimately didn't take a job went back to Baylor uh, and then made it all the way to the Sugar Bowl so um, and was in the conversation of having a being in the the playoffs before a couple before a late loss in the season so uh, you know that's a he's has has shown that progression I'm interested in the franchise in general uh, I think that's probably bad news for Dak going back there uh, excuse me Cam Newton going back there to Carolina um, you know, that's I just sort of envision how these conversations might go with the new owner and the new 
coach in seven years. It's just a huge commitment that just screams of a long-term build. Hey, I trust this guy. Uh, they didn't want him to leave. Uh, and this is a different, this is a different management, right? And this is a, I, I sort of see Carolina more in the, in the basketball realm with the, I, you look at some of these, uh, these owners and particularly in, in basketball, a lot of the money's new money. And so it's made with technology and with, you know, finance and, and those sorts of things, whereas the old money is a little bit different how it's made. Um, David Tepper, the the owner of the Carolina Panthers, new money guy, um, finance, tech, you know, analytics, all of those things. Uh, I think he's a um, is more of a progressive owner in terms of his mindset and his thinking and some of the things he, that they might do in terms of analytics. So it just sort of screams to me they're going to move on from Cam Newton in one way, shape, or form. But it's something to watch, and I think that's going to be one of the key stories. That's something I think a ton of people are, are thinking about right now, but it's really a story that I'm, I'm really going to be interested in as the offseason heats up. I think Cam's probably going to be a, a value in super flex drafts right now just in terms of some of the upside, and we haven't seen him in a while. Uh, you know, If he's going to be on the move or you know, traded or cut or what have you, uh, it's, it's a possible um, – it's a it's a negative storyline on him sort of going into the offseason. I think that's a, a potential value opportunity. A um, couple other names, Ron Rivera to Washington, uh, and they're bringing in Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator who was with him in Carolina. Um, I it's a, it's Norv Turner's uh, it's it's a, of the Norv Turner lineage, uh, um, Norv Turner's son. So. He's um, going to come with uh, Rivera to Washington to be the offensive coordinator. They obviously got a lot out of McCaffrey. Uh, at times, struggled through some quarterback issues and um, the if, about the turmoil that they had at the quarterback position this year. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting. He's thought of again as his more progressive head coach, and they've done some. Some interesting things got some development out of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, and obviously McCaffrey back to back RB one season. So uh, a good a good fantasy offense there. We'll see what they have with Haskins. If they pick two overall. They're in a powerful spot uh, to to take Chase Young out of Ohio State. Uh, I, I always wonder with the changing coaching staff and you know, the. The, is the Josh Rosen thing in play again with Dwayne Haskins? Uh, Dwayne Haskins just screams of a, a Daniel Snyder guy in terms of an ownership guy. So I, I doubt that happens, but that's just something I'm going to pay attention to. I didn't think it would happen with Rosen either. Uh, so it's just something I'm going to pay attention to. I think it's probably a good hire for a, a, a bad, historically bad franchise. They're really making over um, front office and, and new trainer and, you know, trying to really clean up some of the stuff that, that had gone bad there for a while. Just, just, a it seemed like it was a systemic mess. So getting a guy like, uh, Ron Rivera and you see some of the former coach, for, former players saying to the Washington guys, you know, this is the best thing that's ever happened to you in terms of Ron Rivera being a, their head coach. He's thought of really highly as a quality person and sort of a stable, a stable uh, personality, which isn't something that I think Washington is, they need some of that with, with some of the mess in their ownership box. So uh, it seems like a good hire as well. Um, 
Joe Judge is going to become the head coach the uh, for the New York Giants. Um, a stable franchise who is going through turmoil of themselves. Obviously, quarterback change. They uh, Pat Shermer's there for two years, fired, uh, and now they bring in the special teams coordinator and wide receiver coach for uh, the Patriots. Uh, some people are ragging on, oh, the wide receiving core was terrible and uh, the Patriots this year, uh, that there wasn't much development out of guys like Nikhil Harry and some of the other players. I sort of get that, but if you look at the uh, – I don't think that's the best way to judge them. I mean, they've consistently had one of the better special teams units. Uh, they've done uh, – you know, they were terrific this year. Uh, and there's been a, some talk for a while. Uh, Dick Vermeil was a, was a uh, special teams coordinator before he became the coach and ultimately won a Super Bowl with the Saints uh, – excuse me, with the Rams. Um, greatest show on turf. And Belichick uh, was – did special team stuff and has talked a lot about, you know, he's when the best way to get Belichick talking is to talk special teams with him and press conferences and things like that. He's really into um, that. And um, John Harbaugh as well in Baltimore. So this isn't without precedent in terms of some of these guys um, coming from a special teams perspective. I, I sort of think of it as a, I mean, if you, I guess you have multiple different roles of a- analyzing how a head coach can, can come into and the, the role that he's going to have in as being a as being a head coach I think last year the theme was you know let's bring in a guy that's going to scheme it up is going to be an offensive mind you know Sean McVay's barista was getting was <laughs> borderline getting interviews last year um, anyone that had sort of touch with that offense was was interested this year I think we're seeing a little bit different in terms of it's it's they're more stable uh, you know, we're seeing some more stable leadership guys and, and not necessarily the scheme it up type profiles of, of um, the past year or two in terms of some head coaching decisions. So it's a, it's a different, it's a different thing. It's probably different to a degree of the, the, the franchises in terms of, um, you know, in particular, um, you know, the, the Giants and Carolina and, and Dallas as well, you know, it's getting stable guys there and that's you know, they've had um, consistency and want to build consistency in terms of what they're off what their uh, operations are all about so uh, a judge strikes me as more of the you know you see this and it's uh, there's different models for it right the scheme it up this is this is more of a managerial type head coaching decision um, isn't going to be calling plays on offense defense is going to be more of a manager of the team I actually think that's got some some good opportunities for some analytics because you get a you get a coach that's making more uh, not necessarily X's and O's calls but more strategic calls in terms of um, what he's going to be doing delegating duties of play calling on both sides of the ball to more managerial duties I think there's room there for uh for some good analytics and some good, um, you know, progressive thinking for the organization. If, um, you know, we don't know a ton about him, but he's had some strong units in, uh, in with the Patriots as a special teams coordinator. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I think, um, they've got, you know, they've got to draft some players and get some, get some better players in there, uh, to help out the team, you know, get, Daniel Jones, some additional weapons, get their guys healthy and those sorts of things. But I think they can take a step forward uh, in, in next year 
in particular. So I'm looking forward to that one. I think it's an interesting hire. Uh, and we're not in the room, so I don't brag on these guys that much. Uh, in terms of what the hires are, I think the what I wish and I sort of hope, and maybe this Matt Rule thing's a, a good example. You know, let's get let's get these coaches some. You know, you go through the whole hiring process, and we rush to hire these guys, and then two years later we fire them, and it's like let's take some development and let's work on actually building a franchise. So the the rule idea and some of these more stable. Um, uh, choices I think are, are, are good and uh, good for the game in general. Some also big news coming from the NFL draft this week with uh, the the underclassmen continuing to declare. Uh, Tua is a big deal in terms of uh, he's going to come out super flex draft. It's really interesting. I've I've thought for a while now that, that um, if Tua comes out, I still think there's question about whether him or Burrow goes number one in the draft uh, to Cincinnati. There's, you know, I'm not a film guy in terms of evaluating quarterbacks, but I think if you, uh, you know, you listen to some podcasts and there's people that really like Burrow, but there's also, um, there's some analysis there that, that there's some holes in, in his game and he doesn't, he's not, you know, the perfect prospect and isn't perfect for every system and those sorts of things. I'll leave it to people that do that. Um, I think some of the analysis that we're going to probably see, um, and that I'm, I'm interested in looking into is the, the difference between your career, uh, versus your last season and sort of the predictiveness of that. Um, seeing some analysis, there's been some smart quarterback analysis, uh, done uh, there's so much value in getting that right that it's it, and it's really hard to get it right I mean I've looked at some of the stuff and it's just um, I haven't gone full in-depth into this class yet in terms of my quarterback metrics but I've looked at some some benchmarks and I'll look at them with with these guys as well I think they're both going to grade out pretty well um, in terms of historical metrics and some of the rates that I look at but um, I think that there's a you know the question with Tua is going to be the the injury and the hip and the hip condition and Dr. Chow said some positive things about his his hip condition I think even recommended that he come out um and so Tua does come out and there was some question about whether he would go back and the injury and all of that stuff he does ultimately come out um I have a hard time seeing him get past three in the draft I mean I keep looking at this this board and if you know if if Burrow's going to go one um I think quarterbacks going one, and if it's going to be Burrow, uh, number two, Washington sitting right there, and you know, assuming that they're not going to move on from Haskins, which I'm just going to assume they're not for right now. It doesn't. We'll, we'll get into that more in the future. It doesn't strike me as something they're going to do, but um, the, the they are in the driver's seat for Chase Young, and then Detroit sits at three. And I think Detroit's in the the interesting position of. They have a, a good quarterback. Matt Stafford was really good this year before getting injured. Um, he's still in his early 30s, and he's still he's been in the league forever. He's still in his early 30s. It's the benefit of coming out real young. Um, they have a lot of needs, and a trade down just seems, I mean, th- with, the, with the positions that are behind them in the draft in terms of, uh, in, in terms of, people picking it's just a really good opportunity for them to make uh to make a trade down and potentially acquire additional assets you know there's been talk about tank for two with the dolphins for a year now um 
they bring in Chan Gailey, which is uh, interesting because it's tied to uh, there's a history there with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So uh, I'm not, you know, there's there's a lot of talk there that they're going to draft a quarterback. They're definitely going to draft a quarterback. I think there's a a, a decent possibility. I, I I would be higher on I think than the market would be on the possibility that they don't address quarterback. You know, they're going to have multiple. They're going to have multiple shots to fire, multiple bullets to fire in the in the draft with three first-round draft picks, uh, multiple day two draft picks um, in terms of also having New Orleans' uh, second-round draft pick. They've got five, 18, and Houston's first. Houston's still playing at the time of this recording, so we'll sort of see where that pick um finishes out but they've got multiple bullets to fire if they want to get up to three um the giants at four don't seem to make a whole lot of sense uh, for a quarterback they got they have daniel jones um have plenty of other needs uh but detroit's in, in a landing spot for really trading down um and the giants really haven't been a team that have traded picks under gettleman uh it's not really his mo so detroit really seems to be in the driver's seat in terms of in terms of trades if someone wants to get up above miami that's probably the place they're gonna have to go to do it um the chart so miami's at five chargers are at six uh rivers is a free agent talked about that a couple episodes ago opportunity there for them to maybe move up a couple slots um jump miami to go to detroit uh the aforementioned carolina panthers if they're interested in moving up it would be an uh an uncommon analytics move to move up. It's probably going to be pretty costly in terms of what it would cost them. If they're going through a little bit of a rebuilding phase, how much do they want to do of, of moving and mortgaging the future to move up those picks? We'll, we'll see. Uh, but that's a, that's a spot to watch as well. And Jacksonville, uh, at, at nine, I think they're a dark horse to get into this thing. Uh, and the, the quarterback position, it's, it's, you know, to move up to three, it's not that far to move. They've got nine and they've got 20. So you could see a package being put together in terms of them getting up into the draft. I like Gardner Minshew's story as much as anyone. I am, um, pretty skeptical. And I wrote about this in the book. It's, it's pretty rare for a day three quarterback to, to land and really land for long and Dax the Dax's story and I write about this a lot in the analytics of dynasty 2020 edition uh he's he's basically the you know the the exception to the rule him and cousins but to really get there you have to you have to be excellent early in your career and I think Minshew was good but I'm not sure he's was been that good so that Foles I don't think Foles is a long-term answer I didn't think he was when they drafted or when they um, acquired him either so I just um you know we'll, we'll see but I think they're a dark horse to get in in this business as well for quarterback and the Raiders they have multiple bullets to fire as well with 12 and 19 so um and a couple of third round picks is a couple extra third round picks as well so um I think there's there's plenty of in years past there there haven't been last year it, was, it seemed like it was pretty static uh in the draft um or maybe a couple of years ago i don't know it's, it's been on and off in terms of in terms of uh draft day trades i think there's plenty of opportunity for draft draft trades this year um herbert's going to the senior bowl so is jalen hurts so you're getting uh, you're getting these guys that um you know, that, that have some appeal and could be quote risers every year. We see quarterbacks rise. Um, Herbert's a guy that could fit in the first round. Um, I think 
I think has a has a decent shot of doing that. Um, and and there's going to be action for these quarterbacks because there's plenty of need up there. Um, and so we're still getting we're still getting a full list. We'll probably do a breakdown of of the the full list, but no real massive names going back to school um receivers coming out the the guys at the top are coming out um the running backs are coming out i think it's gonna be a good running back year although i wonder what the demand is going to be for the running back position generally speaking you look at the top of the board there's not a ton of need for running back um and then you sort of go down further in the in the draft maybe in the later part of the round you might get you might get some spots but you could be in another situation where you don't have a a top you know, 15, 20 running back, but it's a really good class. Um, and the depth of the class might actually hurt the ability of going someone, someone high because you can replace it with a quality prospect. So that's something to definitely watch. Um, now I just wanted to take a look at and continue our, our look at some of the free agents. Uh, we'll do this week, the wide receiver position. Uh, you know, the, I I keep thinking, and you know I mentioned this earlier with the Dak Prescott discussion with Dallas. I keep wondering if they're going to be able to get both uh, Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott under contract. And I just uh, there's I think it's it's thought of that they're going to, and that that that's the common sort of assumption that they will. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm as optimistic. Uh, I think there's a, a reasonable chance that they have to use a tag on on Prescott um, if he's asking for 40 million and they're not forking that over. I'm I am I, they have to keep Prescott. And so, uh, can they get Cooper under contract? I mean, they they have um, they don't have the most, you know, they have a lot of cap space in terms of 81 million, but if you're going to fork over 35 or 40 million for Dak, uh, that cuts that number in half. And they've got some defensive players that they need to get under contract as well. And they've got, I mean, they, it's not just those two guys. So I, I think there's a reasonable chance that Amari Cooper hits the market. And I think that would be, um, it'd be, really interesting um, i probably say it's it's an unlikely outcome at this point i think it's probably if, you, if i had to bet i would take that he stays in dallas you know if it's a straight up bet but i'd probably take three to one that he that he leaves um and he would he would highlight this class in terms of free agents um notable free agents uh some of the older guys, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, both unrestricted free agents, um, going down the list a little bit, uh, Randall Cobb, Danny Amendola, who I actually think played decently this year in Detroit, although the offense kind of fell apart. Um, Philip Dorsett is a, is a player I think could have some interest in terms of the speed. Those, uh, I think his days are probably projecting to be a top 24 asset or anything like that are, are gone, but a deep threat take the lid off the defense type of stretch receiver they're always in demand and you know four two x doesn't grow on trees so uh, he will i'm sure be a a potential um free agent landing spot maybe it's a wide receiver three or something i would love to see him in buffalo personally to continue to stretch the field with josh allen um so that josh allen can overthrow him or miss him um 
Sorry, I'm still bitter about what happened this weekend to the Bills, but I'll get over it um, on the 2020. Uh, Demarius Thomas is also a free agent. Um, you know, there's a, there's a whole list of guys uh, going down. A lot of a lot of the the younger guys um, in terms of um, you know like just um, you know, like. Robert Foster is a good example of a guy that I, I had some interest in, but these low pedigree guys, I don't I don't spend a ton of time on just because the hit rates are so low. Um, guy like Tajay Sharp uh, is a free agent as well. Some of the bigger names, I think Robbie Anderson uh, with the Jets, he's at 27 years old and has uh, you know has been pretty has outperformed his uh, draft pedigree. So. That's a notable. That's a notable, um, you know, draft inefficiency. A, a good draft hit from a from the um, undrafted realm um, has some off the field concerns with the <laughs> his arrest and some of the things that happen related there too. Um, he is projected by Spotrack uh, has a pretty favorable number on him in terms of um, you know some of the comps and some of the things um, that that they use to determine contracts. Um, four years, forty-five, uh, almost forty-six million dollars, about eleven and a half million on average is what they project. So uh, you know. The Jets have 55 million in in cap space. They do have some uh, some players that they need to. That, you know, he's not their only free agent, uh, so it, it, and they're not they're not cash or they're not cap rich at this particular point either. So, um, and have uh, Jameson Crowder on a big number. Um, uh, yeah, just look at how they built this team. It's just not not the most appealing thing in the world in terms of some of the contracts that they have, but their left tackle, um, Kelvin Beecham, uh, is, uh, a free agent. Um, their interior offensive line, um, has some free agency, has some free agents as well. Um, with Alex Lewis and, uh, Brandon shell, their right tackle. So, um, you know, then there's some players on defense as well. I mean, they have a, a lot of guys that are free agents that played over half their snaps. Um, over the cap has, you know, it tracks how many snaps they play. They're, they have a lot of their players. Um, they have almost 10 guys that played more than 50% of the snaps uh, under um, as, as free agents. So, um, so they they do have uh some cap to spend but it's not a, it's not a lot considering some of the needs that they have at tackle in particular and what that might cost so um robbie anderson is um i'm tracking um you know it's it's the adam gase <laughs> shtick i don't know i guess is the best way to call it uh i i'm yeah, you know, he just keeps seeing the people that have developed when he wasn't there. You know, Tannehill leaves, um, you know, to go to Tennessee, and it's been really good. And you know, Devontae Parker breaks out, and and Miami after Gase leaves, and um, Ken Kenyon Drake breaks out when he's traded to Arizona, and you just look at some of these things, and you just uh, it's 
<laughs> it's almost be good for Robbie Anderson to leave. It just, uh, you know, that might be more progression in terms of, in terms of his, his upside, um, just with some of the stuff you see with Gase, you know, could he do more in, outside of a Gase scenario? Just doesn't seem like a pro growth, um, you know, a, a, a growth mindset is something that came out of, uh, Astro ball, the book about the Astros, that growth mindset, Adam Gase just doesn't seem to have it. So, um, so that is, um, he's probably the biggest name in terms of outside Cooper. Um, th- you know, one of the bigger names I would say outside Cooper. Um, you know, we talked about Cooper before, um, Demarcus Robinson is a player, also an unrestricted free agent, um, out of Kansas city. Um, you know, what do they do in terms of, uh, in terms of Sammy Watkins, it's a possibility that they, uh, might move on from him, uh, with, with the lack of production. It's just, he's one of the more quizzical players in terms of how good he was in college, uh, how high he went in the NFL draft, uh, you know, just his overall profile that you get one hit out of him in terms of, you know, in terms of top 24 hit, um, they can save $14 million next year by cutting him. Um, his cap number is $21 million. It's a really high number for him. Um, but he's essentially like their, I mean, he's essentially their fourth option in the passing game right now. Um, do you want to pay, do you want to sink that number or cut your loss? Um, he's still a reclamation project type player that I'd be interested in. I think the cost is going to be pretty, it's going to drop pretty, uh, pretty significantly would be my thought. So, um, if he ends up on the, on the free agent market in addition to this, but so DeMarcus Robinson, um, could land someplace else, uh, and we'll sort of see that, that, you know, attached to the, attached to the Patrick Mahomes offense is, is really nice for a player, uh, just because he has, provides so much value in terms of his value of his targets and all of those things. Um, but you just, um, you know, what's the market on a guy that, that again, he himself had some off field problems. Um, you know, what, what is the market for him? That's something we'll have to see. Do anyone think he's more than basically a wide receiver three type, um, Nelson Aguilar, uh, the man, the Philly, the Philly, uh, receiving core was just a, it was a mass unit this year. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, we'll see what the market treats of him. I don't think he's any, I think he's a really high end a- asset. Uh, at this point in his career, he's might be a wide receiver three type in a different, in a different team. Um, and it's probably not more than like a wide receiver four or five in, in dynasty. Um, just looking at some more, uh, Kendrick Bourne is a player that's a little interesting. He flashed a little bit in the, um, in the off season last year, I was tracking him and Dante Pettis for my work at football guys doing, uh, training camp preview, you know, training camp reports, uh, just previewing the regular season. And Kendrick Bourne was consistently outperforming Dante Pettis yet the fantasy community was really on Dante Pettis. Um, and then Dante Pettis was just a pretty bad bust this year. Um, and you get, uh, you know, Kendrick Bourne is, is basically uh, outplaying him. So, um, you know, we'll see with him. He's probably back there. Although I think they have a lot of twos and threes, and not a not a number one. Although they have it in George Kittle. So, how they continue to build will be an interesting thing at the receiver position. How they help Garoppolo. Um, so that's those are really the. I think the there's not a ton of huge names in the 
in the receiving class this year. Guys like Laquan Treadwell, maybe a reclamation type um, pick is a former first round guys. Uh, he's a free agent. Um, Devin Funches is a free agent with some metric metric buzz. He'd be interesting. I think the Colts uh, probably in the market for some receiver help, uh, and in the off season, whether they bring him back, they might be able to get bring him back on a prove it type deal, which would be just be pretty interesting. I mean, he's going to be dirt cheap with the, you know, the basically the lost year, and and he's going to be pretty dirt cheap. Um, AJ Green is another name too. Uh, I was just tracking down the list. He didn't play this year. I. I think he could help a contender. Um, and I sort of look at these guys. I mean, he's, he's going to be entering it, starting to enter his mid thirties. I look at him and I, you know, I really think the, when I wrote the analytics of dynasty in 2019, the first edition of the book, I really found that the receivers that play you now the, the, the extremes of either of either end of the distribution in terms of age the the really young guys tend to be high picks um and really productive and the old guys tend to be the the guys that play a long time are the high picks and i think that's a you know there's a there's some selection bias in there in terms of the guys that get the opportunities naturally but you you see the guys that play and the guys that can continue to sort of play past that 30 31 year old age cliff and um it's the guys that were really high picks and we've seen that in recent years with guys like jordy nelson sort of flame out and they're getting into their early 30s um but guys like julio and um Larry Fitzgerald still playing strong. I think AJ Green's more on that track. The question is health, obviously. I think he's going to get a prove it type deal and the ability to play this year, whether he's back there. I think that offense can take a pretty big step forward in terms of a new quarterback and um, just improving their offensive line. They have a couple of guys that were out. out of the lineup this year, Jonah Williams, their first round pick last year, basically missed <laughs> um, all of the season, and Cordy Glenn as well um, was injured. So you're going to get the you're going to get you know, just two fifths of the lineup there if you can get those guys back healthy. Uh, you get uh, some opportunity uh, at the position. I think they just shored up their their center as well. So um, you can add another piece on that offensive line and really sort of see a change. I, I like them to take a big step forward. What AJ Green does is interesting. Um, I've seen him linked to Green Bay, which would be interesting uh, in terms of pairing him up with Rodgers on the opposite side of Devontae Adams. Um, so he's he's a name I think we're going to watch. I continue to think he's probably going to be a buy low and in, uh, in, in drafts. I mean, I you know I mean if is he outside the top? Is he you know once the rookies get going in these drafts, I mean he could be outside the top one hundred, and that and that seems that's not a place where I tend to love to pick wide receivers. Usually it's it's running back or tight end that's better value in that part of the draft just from a team building perspective. But AJ Green with the with his history of production, the high end pedigree and still on the good side of 35, we'll say in terms of the where the age curve is, I could see him healthy being uh, being a wide receiver too in 2020. So that is, um, you know, that's that's pretty appealing. That late in a draft, uh, and when there's risk, there's there's 
uh, a drop in the cost and there's there's plenty of reward there in terms of what you could get from him you could still see a couple more seasons of him based on just his profile um, assuming health again it's, that's been a question with him but assuming health um, and that he gets right you can see him continue to on, on a productive track. Um, this is a major tight end, excuse me, the major wide receivers. Um, you know, there's a lot of names out there, some ancillary guys. Um, got going to be a lot of people without jobs because of this class and the receivers in this class. You know, I've seen projected as many as seven wide receivers in the first round. I think that's, uh, it would really be, I think this class is going to be really interesting and compelling in the sense that you're going to get, I think you're going to get running backs pushed down into day two that otherwise historically would have been day one running backs. Um, but because of how good the position is right now, I mean, there's a, there's a, a lot of good situations. There's not a ton of great overt landing spots right now. Um, as potential, you know, week one starting spots for running backs. Um, you know, there's a handful at Kansas city that everyone talks about, but when you sort of look past that, there's, there's going to be more running backs than there are going to be, you know, seats at the dance table, uh, seats at the, the dinner table, um, you know, spots on the dance floor coming into the the 2020 class. So um, with that, I think the cost could, could fall on these guys. You might be able to get, you know, a guy like J.K. Dobbins could fall into the later part of the first or second round of rookie drafts, which given his profile and, and his ability last year would have put him in the top half of the draft pretty easily. So, I think it's a it's it's going to be a really compelling class from that, and I, I want to fire a lot of bullets at this class because I think that's the type of opportunity we're going to get. So, um, so we'll just uh, we'll call that on the, the wide receivers, um, and um, so that'll be that'll wrap up this episode. Um, I just want to again talk quickly about the analytics of dynasty i've uh done plenty of editing which is uh clearly the worst part of doing the <laughs> of writing the book is the editing uh you realize all the grammatical errors and it's a humbling experience but that's what's going on right now it's about halfway edited so it's going to be a big next few days to get it fully edited and um, bound up an electronic version, uh, but it will be out January 18th. You can get it at analyticsdynasty.com slash shop. $30, uh, get you the pre-order. You'll get it. Uh, and if you play Superflex, I mean, I, I appeared in a podcast called Fits on Fantasy. You can check it out uh, where, you, where you get your podcast. But we talked a lot about, um, and it was funny because we, we talked a lot about some different uh, – different ideas and different players. And it was a lot of stuff that I'd written in the book was just, um, Pat Fitzmorris, the, the host had no idea. You know, I hadn't sent him a table of contents or anything. He just sent me a show sheet. Here's what we want to talk about. And it was great because it was a lot of stuff that was just directly on point about stuff I had written in the book and player profiles and just looking at different profiles and how they succeed or how they fail and identifying value. There's a ton of that in the book in terms of actionable advice. And I think this year's a really, really compelling class to implement the 2020 edition of the Analytics of Dynasty. And I'll just say about a quarter of the book is, is just about Superflex and about startup drafts and Superflex and um, startup drafts in general, but a lot of Superflex angle to it and how to look at quarterbacks. And I've got a, a really uh, interesting way to narrow down and whittle down the quarterbacks that you target and just make them make really, really selective choices because you don't want to miss in super flex. Um, but it really, I think, 
different ways that I haven't seen talked about in terms of looking at quarterbacks. I have it in the book. And if you're drafting in Superflex or if you're drafting in you're playing in Superflex leagues, you do not want your opponents to have the Superflex chapter of this book and you to be trading with them when you don't have it. I'll just say that. I don't you know, I've tried to implement some of the things in my book right now. Um, and I know a couple of people that are in a startup that that uh, are patrons uh, that that have been able to implement some of these things. And um, there's clear value opportunities. There's really, really clear value opportunities in the Superflex market based on a lot of things I found on the book. So it's really, really exciting. Um, so um, get signed up. If you haven't signed up for the 2020, if you don't have the 2019 edition, you can still get that. I'm running a $20 sale. You can get the 2019 edition. It's a lot of different looks. It's And, um, you know, I wrote that book for reference purposes and for you know it's basically uh i wanted it to be something that you could always go back to and say you know i have a question about age or i have a question about hit rates or you know what's it mean for uh a running back in um, the fifth round what am i really looking at in terms of production it has all of that um you know what's a what's a fourth round startup pick really mean you know what what type of player should i be looking at in there there's a, a ton of that stuff that's really helpful sort of broad base across dynasty um whether you're just picking up your first league um whether you're playing in your hundredth i think there's something that can help you in that book so uh, that's on sale now the 2019 edition of the analytics of dynasty twenty dollars um in addition i've doing um, a patreon channel patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty um that is i've been just with the content that's coming out of the nfl right now i've been almost recording a show a night um we have a vip chat a group meet chat where we're talking about um, drafts that we're in right now and i got a couple of different people in drafts and um looking at different ideas and in terms of how to build teams and there's some really really compelling um strategy things that are going on um in there so you can check that all out at patreon.com slash analytics at dynasty um and you know find that we're going to keep this podcast ad free um and so you can go ahead and support the podcast and support uh this venture uh, by joining patreon and subscribing to the book so thanks again for joining me i uh, appreciate you tuning in uh until next time we will uh we'll talk to you again soon and i'm your host jordan mcdermott talk to you again soon